Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. Very good morning. Uh, I'm Vipin Joseph, uh, a privileged uh, first-year MDiv student at Acadia Divinity College. Today's Bible reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks to you, as I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And it has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning. Good morning. good morning. You know, it's always incredible to come back here. So many wonderful memories at this college. I was one of the students that was very blessed to always be here at the college. We were here morning, noon, and night, and sometimes we felt like we never left, right, Anna? <laughs> Still feels the Still feels the <laughs> You came back. <laughs> I just want to thank you for the invitation to come. I know this was Dr. Maxwell's doing, and she felt that I needed to be here this morning, so thank you so much. God has been good, amen? <laughs> So it's wonderful this week to come and share this message with you. And when I was praying and thinking, Lord, what am I going to say? I felt the Lord saying, you know, this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. And tis the week before Advent. And I am just amazed at all of you being here this morning because oftentimes this time of the year we can all get ourselves in a real snit and a kerfuffle and thinking we don't have time to do anything especially take time for the lord right i'm glad you're here and god you know in this message this is not my sermon that i'm preaching on sunday either so you know god gave this message to me and said this is what you are to preach and not only for you to hear it but for me to hear it too Tis the week before Advent, and always, if you follow the church calendar or the church year, this Sunday is called Christ the King Sunday. Whoever picked up that song, Caleb, that was so appropriate. It's a time of the year that we as pastors begin to go into a panic because it's our busy season. Everybody wants a piece of us. Everybody is doing something. Everybody wants you somewhere. 
and I'm sure for you as faculty and staff, you're probably feeling the same way as the busy time here at the college. Classes begin to wind down and preparation for exams and all the papers have to be done and everybody wants extensions. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I may do the nursing home service, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> My prayer is, may the Lord help us all and give us the strength to not just get through. Because that was always my thing as a mom, as a pastor, as a wife, just to get through. But I pray that no matter how we're feeling and how busy we may be feeling and how cold we may be feeling, that we'll all just take a real deep breath and take some time to rest as we come into this beautiful season of Advent and Christmas. Because it passes by quickly. And the Lord's name needs to be praised. The scripture that was read was a beautiful and uninterrupted statement of praise and thanksgiving. As Paul begins with saying to the people that because he heard of their strong faith in Jesus and their love for God's people, that he has what? He has not stopped giving thanks for them and continuously remembered them in his prayers. Ever give thanks for someone and continuously remember them in your prayers? It's beautiful. People have said that to me. I'm always praying for you, Pastor. And it's the most heartwarming thing ever. Paul obviously had a great love and affection for the people that he's writing to. And he's so thankful for them. And he's thankful for their faith that it is strong. Whether pastor or apostle, that is something to be truly thankful for when people are strong in their faith and have a love for not only God, but for God's people. And that's what we're supposed to be as the church, aren't we? We're supposed to be an inspiration to one another as we serve and worship God. Well, these people were an inspiration to the Apostle Paul, and I would hope that they would be an inspiration to us all. So Paul puts forth in this message, sending thanks to the people, and in the next sentence, he asks God to favor these people. Paul is asking for God to inspire and grant the people in the church to have what? Spiritual wisdom and insight so that they can grow in their knowledge of God and in turn grow in their knowledge and faith. Paul has encouraged them and says that in his prayers, he wants them to be flooded with the light of Jesus Christ. That their lives and their thinking and their speaking and in their actions, that Jesus would be evident always. It's what we all want. That we would be filled with the light of Jesus so that we could have a confident hope. That's what one of the translations says, that so that they could have a confident hope. I like that. Confident hope. Not just hope, but a confident hope. What does that mean? A confident hope. Anybody here got hope? We all got hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. But a confident hope, what's the difference? Well, a confident hope means that we wait actively on the Lord. Not passively, actively. That we wait on the Lord and that our hope is not in what God is going to do for us. And of course, we always tell God how to do that for us, right? Mm -hmm. But our confidence is not in the hope of what God will do for us. 
but our confident hope is in who God is. And our confident hope is that God is a God who is present always in all things, and that no matter what, God will be with us to help us work through and rise above whatever we're facing. That's what confident hope is. It's not about God fixing it. Ever see that? God fix it. Make it right. I have. Lots of times. Fix it, God. Make it right. But as you grow and as you grow closer to the Lord and as you acknowledge God, that hope comes from being confident that God is just with you. And that God's going to fix it the way God sees fit. And that no matter what, even though we may be disappointed with how God works it out, we will give thanks with the results. You see, I sometimes feel some of the problem is that there are times when we mistake focusing on the situation and the outcomes rather than focusing on God working it all through and trusting God through it all. Having a confident hope means that Jesus needs to reign in our lives, and sometimes God needs to reign us in. In all situations, Jesus needs to reign in our life. And when Jesus is king in our life, we have the trust and the assurance that God can do more than what we can ever imagine. That's confident hope. Paul describes Christ's reign and stated that this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. And now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things <coughs> under the authority of Christ. He's the king of kings and made him head over all the benefits of the church has been established by God's great power. Christ, according to Paul in his writing, is not only superior to earthly powers and authorities, but is also positioned above all other gods or deities, not only in this day, but in the age to come. If the church's witness is true, if in fact God has made Christ the only one and the only king, and there's no power on this earth, on this sovereign earth, that deserves ultimate thanksgiving, praise, trust, and obedience from all of us. It's an incredible statement and one that challenges all to think, do we not just have a hope in God, but do we have a confident hope in who we are actually trusting and believing in? Jesus is king. He's king. He's our king. But I have to admit, when I was writing this sermon, when I talk to people about Jesus, I don't usually walk up and say, you know, Jesus is my king. Ever do that? What words do you generally use? He's my Lord, Lord Savior, Redeemer, Friend. We often don't use the word king. We take it that word king to me means a little bit more than a relationship because when I think about Jesus as Savior and Lord and Redeemer and friend, I think of that personal relationship. 
And king is just not a reference for me to that personal side of Jesus. King, in my mind, is a relationship with the Heavenly Father. King is the relationship of Jesus sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. It gives me a completely different feeling and understanding of who Jesus is. And that the reign that he had, not only on this earth, he has in heaven. It's a week before Advent. It's a week that I begin to grumble about being so busy about everything. And I have to confess, and I have to be reminded to reflect and recognize and acknowledge that, yes, Jesus is not just my Savior, my Redeemer, and my friend. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords of all things and my life. And today I'm grateful for the confident hope that I have in Jesus that Paul reminds us all today. And it's not just something, believe it or not, that happened when we become Christians. In fact, when I first became a Christian, the one thing that I was not was confident. I was scared. I was almost 29 years old before I came to Christ. I had no clue what it meant to live for the Lord. Confident? Absolutely not. Scared out of my mind. Did I get that confidence when I became a pastor? Absolutely not. <laughs> People remind you that you're not to be confident as a pastor. That confidence comes only when we grow closer in a relationship with God. That confidence comes when we travel through the heartaches of life. That confidence comes when we travel through the joys and the struggles and the sorrows in our own lives and in the life of the church. That confidence only comes when we can trust God, as the Chorus says, through it all. You see, I believe once we experience the power and the glory and the holiness and the kingship of Jesus in our lives, when we seek God's wisdom and experience the kingship of Jesus, no matter where we are in life, no matter who we are, with the power and presence of Jesus in our lives, we can walk through the great times, the difficult times, and yes, even the darkest times in life. And I want to say to my friend on the screen, that's right, isn't it, Shabbat? You see, God and Jesus as king in our lives gives us the confidence. And I'll testify today and I'll praise God because it's through that confidence that we don't develop pride, but we develop faith. We develop faith. And I praise God today that through all of life's circumstances that God is present, is around us, is in us, is working through us. So if you're sitting here today thinking, gosh, I should be struck, I should be doing that paper, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Rest in the Lord. Trust Him. Praise Him. Thank God for the presence of being here with brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping our King of Kings. Rest in that because it gives us peace and confidence to be able to leave today to go out and do the work that God has called us to do. And it gives us confidence that we're filled with the peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding. Even when we think we're going to pull our hair out of our head, we can have peace. We
we can share in this wealth of confidence today and in this hope with others around us. And the faith of the Ephesians that Paul was talking about, it was that faith that strengthened the people. And it's a faith that reminded them of God's glory and Jesus' kingship. And I pray that we too, as we enter in this time of Advent and in the busyness and in the struggles and the joy, that we will know that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can or will defeat God. So many people are asking today, where's God? Where's God in all of this? Well, he's right in the middle of it. Do you not know? He's right in the middle of it. We need to remember that nothing can shackle Jesus and nothing can enslave the church when Jesus is Lord. Jesus occupies that heavenly realm, that throne, and each day when we're faced with temptation, we're not to bow down and surrender to the demands of the world, but more than ever, we're to kneel before the King of Kings, following Christ as King in our lives. We are not helpless victims, but we are victors. Amen? Do I need to say that again? Do I get amen? amen? We are not victims when Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives. We are victors. For us as Christians, Christ as our King should not be acknowledged just the week before Advent, but should be acknowledged every day of the week. Whether your church is going to celebrate Christ the King this Sunday or not, I pray today that through this message that we would be all reminded of the inheritance that we have been given. And it's much more incredible than the riches of this earth. Lots of times when I'm like just kind of lost in myself, I begin to think of what God has promised to us. And it's not just here on this earth, but it's in heaven. And it's not just a tiny home, it's a mansion. And it's not just a small meal, it's a banquet. We forget that. We forget. Paul says to us, and he appears to be suggesting that the body of Christ, the church, we are joined to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're grafted into God's family. And for us, whether we've been grafted or whether we're beginning just to get grafted, we need to understand and know that this life and this Christian journey is a journey that comes in time. And it comes with patience. But it can come with a confident hope of knowing who God is in Jesus Christ. Paul prays for the Christians in the church at Ephesus. And this is my prayer for us all this morning. Those of you who are here and those on the screen. I pray and I ask that God our Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may all know him better. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the confident hope to which we're all called to journey towards. I pray that the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints and his exceptionally great power for us who believe will bless and be with us, not that just this day, but going forward. Yes, it is a week before Advent. This Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. And I pray that we will rest and know 
more intimately and fully the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, Savior, Redeemer, Friend, and my King. Amen. Bless you and thank you. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel Podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.